Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following segment contains information about the Nebraska Cornhusker football team. If interpreted improperly, this information can be weaponized to use as hype for the upcoming season. And as we all know, hype leads to failure. Failure leads to pain. Pain leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. And hate leads to suffering. This is your official warning from Unsportsmanlike Conduct and 1620 The Zone. Do not buy the hype. Well, it's starting, Josh. What happened? The hype. The hype is here. From whom? Well, appropriately enough, we just had Michael Brunts from Husker 24-7. Was it Brunts? No, it wasn't Brunts, but it was one of his co-workers. Christofferson? It wasn't Christofferson. And we know it wasn't Shaper because he's not working. Yeah. But um, it was an article for the National 24-7 put out by Brad Crawford. Brad Crawford sounds like an off-brand Bud Crawford to me. Well, off-brand Bud Crawford in a yep. story that says college football's breakthrough teams. Guess who's oh. made the list? Not Iowa, I bet. No, not Iowa. Go uh-huh. Hawks. Uh, Crawford writes, why not Nebraska? Slotted Ooh. somewhere in the mid-tier of most early Big Ten power rankings, the Huskers project to get a bowl season to cap Matt Rule's second year. And had the Huskers executed more efficiently in the fourth quarter of games last fall, the Huskers would have been ahead of schedule in Rule's rebuild. There is a path to nine wins or more Whoa. for Nebraska this season if the Huskers are able to establish early momentum with a favorable slate by Big Ten standards and get a boost of confidence under five-star freshman quarterback Dylan Rayola. Should he be rule selection to start? Wink, wink. Uh, That was my editorial comment. The Huskers could be favored in their first seven games prior to a road trip to Ohio State. They only play one opponent ranked inside the preseason top 20. Rule and his coaching staff need to do everything they can to take advantage of this schedule as a potential dark horse in the conference. Dark horse in the conference? Dark horse potential. Dark horse in the conference. Oh, my God. He's back. I'll be be honest, John. When you you said we were unveiling the hype segment today, I thought it was going to be like, and maybe they'll go eight and four. And I feel like that would be a little weak to bring out the hype monster. Meanwhile, you got this guy saying that they could go win the conference. Dark Horse to, to what? This is wild. This is incredible. And it's not going to happen. Man, I feel like I'm bullish on the team, and then this happens, and now I feel like I'm pessimistic. I feel like I'm pessimistic again. Yes, Nick, I'll put it in the grumble. They're not winning the conference. Of course they're not. Come on. Uh, By the way, the other teams that were mentioned in this story were USF, SMU, 
Texas mm-hmm. Tech, NC State, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Kansas. Mm. So that's the group that the uh, Huskers found themselves in. I mean, they are going to be, and there's a lot, I mean, there is logic in there, right? We went, we looked at the schedule. We, I mean, and I don't know if I still, I don't think I still have it. Let me double check here. Um, when we did the, um, the rundown from SP plus, I do, here it is. So when SP plus put out their, uh, you know, this is Bill Conley, friend of the Grum. I mean, Nebraska is projected to win the first seven games. Oh yeah. Then Ohio state comes along, then projected to beat UCLA. And then the last three games right now are projected losses, but couple of them, one of them, Wisconsin, is within a field goal. I, I, you know, there, it's it, it could shape up like a 2016 where Nebraska arguably took advantage of a weaker schedule because Oregon was down that year, got off to a great start, and then once they hit, you know, real adversity, then the blowouts began. They started 7-0, and they finished going 2-4. and four. Right. So... There, there's a chance for that kind of momentum, and when properly coached, when when your culture is better, when you're not always looking over your shoulder, it's possible that Nebraska could parlay that momentum a little more successfully than they did in 2016. So I see, and, and I'm not, I'm making this argument for Crawford. Uh, it's not my hype, argument. It's not my argument. I'm just making the argument for Crawford. But yeah, there's going to be a popular sentiment, and get used to it. And, and heck, this isn't even that original a thought. We had a lot of fans. We've had fans saying, you know, for several weeks, "Oh yeah, all you know, seven games. They could be seven and zero. Oh. They could be seven and zero. Oh. They could be seven and zero. I've heard many say. I've heard many bring up that they could be seven and zero. Oh. Many. And, and 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 if you're watching along in the stream, and I'll describe for those of you on the Jeez. audio service only, but the projected margins of victory by Bill Conley are as follows. UTEP 26, Colorado 11, Illinois 9, Purdue 10, Rutgers 4, Indiana 11. So a lot of games in there where Nebraska should be favored by more than one score. So dare I say, very winnable games. That's the thing that stands out to me still, man, is that a lot of these games are not projected to be one-score games or, you know, even less than one-score games. It's a lot of of double-digit affairs on the Nebraska side of things. Uh, Kenneth writes, LMAO, are any of these people ever going to learn their lesson? <laughs> Greg and Lincoln says, isn't this the usual off-season Husker hype roller coaster? I, I, I might be remembering a little wrong. Now, I guess during the Frost era, people did continue to think that they were about to turn it around. But this degree, I haven't seen someone say that they're going to be a dark horse in the conference in years. That seems new. To the uh, to the old hype. Well, that seems new. Okay, I mean, just because dark you're horse a, to ju- win the league. Well, now he just said dark horse in the conference. So that's what I take it to mean. That's what Especially I, I understand why some people would take it that now. way. But I mean, if they finished top four in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. that would be a surprise, right? Mm-hmm. That would also be a place where maybe a dark horse would end up. Yeah. So maybe, you know, and, and listen. That would be a dark horse playoff contender. Uh, if you're well, a top I, four team in the league. Yes, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining 
Because that's that's the thing about this year. And I plan to ask Zip about this when he joins us in here in about 45 minutes. This is going to be such an interesting year because so much has changed. We have never seen this much change happen simultaneously in a conference that Nebraska has been in. Correct. Because you're going divisionless. You're adding Adding four four West Coast teams. teams. The reigning champs just lost their head coach. Yep. The transfer portal was pretty wild this year in the league. Uh, You brought back a ton of production. Nebraska brought back a ton of production, plus they got a five-star quarterback. Uh, And so with all of that, would it surprise you if this year got a little weird and a little cluttered where – you know, maybe you have a glut of eight and nine win teams. You know, instead of having, you know, two or three ten win teams, which they probably will have. I mean, Ohio State and Oregon certainly will be in that category. But would it surprise you if, let's say, Ohio State finishes 11 and one, Oregon finishes 10 and two, and then you just had a bunch of eight and nine win teams? It does them. seem, yeah, it does seem like this year, of any of the years recently, that there could be a pretty big drop-off. Like, last year, there was a pretty big drop-off after the top two teams, but team number three still had a 10-2 and record because Penn State had a very manageable schedule, and they took care of business against everyone not named Michigan and Ohio State. Whereas this year, I mean, look, maybe maybe Penn State could do it again, but it definitely wouldn't surprise me if you have the top two teams in that bucket, like you said, either 11-1, and 10-2 for one or both, and then everyone else is kind of a nice little drop-off, and it's a, it's a large, large middle class. Because uh, last year, using last year as a guide, um, you had three teams, four teams, that ended up with ten wins. And then the next group, you had two teams that ended up with eight wins. Then you had a couple of seven-win teams. Then you had a six-win team and a couple of five-win teams. So there was a bigger drop-off between the double-digit crowd and the rest. But remember, that's in a divisional format. So a team like a Maryland and a Rutgers, who finished eight and five and seven and six respectively, they had to play Michigan. They had to play Ohio State. They had to play Penn State. Well, now with the schedules no longer being such, the chances of seeing maybe a handful more of eight win teams, and again, it depends on your non conference as well, um, would seem to be a little bit higher. Um, and, again, you're adding four teams from the West Coast. One who just played in the college football playoff. Another who was on the cusp. USC and UCLA. And those were bowl teams. So you're adding four bowl teams into the mix mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, there, there there's a good chance that we're going to see a lot of a lot of muck. You know, think about it in, in terms of the basketball rankings, right? You look at the Big Ten it's basketball. A huge standing. middle class right now. Huge middle class. You have Purdue, and, I, and they're just kind of by themselves, and then everybody right. else. And and I could see something similar to that playing out, albeit with smaller sample size because they don't play as many games. But I could see something like that happening. So in that scenario, if Nebraska does go seven and zero, let's say they go eight and four. Eight and four could be good enough to finish in a tie for fourth place. It's it's just there's something about this new era that we're about to enter into that we are, I think we are going to be 
surprised at what is considered good and and what everything looks like because I mean now I mean I know John we throw out terms like NFL light a ton this is where it shows itself is just raw depth in a league where you are playing so many tough teams I mean you know think of some of the tough schedules Nebraska has had over the years that people lamented like oh my gosh this is so difficult you know and the one that comes to my mind is the 2021 year the year that Nebraska went three and nine, that was a lot of good teams. You know, Nebraska played both Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, you know, Michigan went to the playoff that year. Ohio State finished ten and two in the regular season, so they were really good. Um, you know, they played a. It was a good year for the Big Ten West in terms yeah. of wins and losses. And so, what did that do? Well, it made it really difficult. That might be every year now. Every year might be similar to like, oh my gosh, they have to play this team and this team and this team and this team. Every year might be that way, but not for Nebraska, for everybody in the conference. And how does that show itself in wins and losses? And what is, you know, we did over-unders a couple weeks ago, John, and one of the things that I remember thinking was like, wow, that number is lower than I would have expected for Ohio State or for Oregon. But it's because I have to rework my brain. Of course it's lower. The schedules are tougher. There's more depth. You know, they have to play a lot of good teams. And so for the longest time, Ohio State, Two losses in the regular season? I mean, that's panic. You know, I, I heard somebody say recently about Bama, if they go 10-2, and two, everyone's going to want to fire Kalen DeBoer. No, if they go 10-2, and two, they're going to the playoff. You know, we have to we have to totally restructure how we view good and bad. Yeah, and, certain and, records are no longer bad. They're playoff-worthy teams. And we really have to... We really have to see this play out, and the crazy thing is, we may only get to see it play out for two years before they completely change the structure again. But we really need some years of data before we can make conclusions on what a typical season will look like. And as we know in college football, nothing is typical. So this is truly an unpredictable year. The other thing, too, are we so sure that Oregon is just going to come in here and have a great year? I am. The odds, but- the odds and history say no. Because, look, I mean, unless you're TCU, who moved to a different league and were great from the jump, you look at the history of these power conference programs who shift conferences, and the adjustment period is really tough. Now, you know, Oregon could still end up being good, but history says eh, you might pump the brakes a little bit on this top five talk because adjusting to a new league is not as easy as you might think. I mean, we all fell into the trap back in 2012, thinking that, you know, Nebraska's just going to walk in here and dominate the conference. They were picked first. Didn't happen that way. And it's happened a lot. I mean, Texas A&M took some time for them to adjust. Um, so that'll be another thing worth watching, just from the history, because the history says, no, they're not going to be good right away, that they're going to have struggles. I mean, to be but, fair, Texas A&M did, they went 11-2 and two their first year in the SEC. Now, the tail was, you know, obviously not very long on that. I think Oregon is unique in that no team has ever entered a league being a true power in their former league and certainly a, a as good of a recruiter as Oregon is. And I know that they didn't, you know, go to the playoff last year, but I feel like this is the best team to ever move, at least in, in recent years, from conference to conference. This is like akin to... Penn State doing it in the early 90s, and then they, they, you know, they swept the whole league in, what, their second year in the conference? I think Oregon is that team. But I understand, I understand where your qualms come. Um, 
But, see, like Scott says, Oregon has never been through the Big Ten meat grinder. They're definitely in for a shock. See, I disagree. I think Oregon's going to be great this year I, because they recruit at such a high level. This is not Nebraska joining with their recruiting deficiencies. This is not a group of five jumping up to a power five. This is a team that recruits nationally and has an absolutely loaded roster. And I think that that will show itself on the field. The cross-country travel that Greg and Lincoln brings up, that's the thing sure. that, that could ultimately get to them. That's the thing that could be the problem. I, I, I may be pumping the brakes a little. I'm not saying they'll be bad. Oh, a new rivalry but, for me and you to have. You but, think they'll be bad, and I think they'll be great. No, I didn't say bad. You but, think they'll be 9-3, and three, I think they'll be 11-1. and one. I, If I had to pick between the two, I'll go 9-3 and three over 11-1. and one. Yeah? If right, I had to pick a, between uh, the two right now. Let's save that for a uh, poll question. We will something. save we that right before the season. We will save that for down the road. Here's the other thing, uh, too, and this... This was an interesting stat pointed out by Evan Bland in an article from a couple of days ago. We all know what one of Nebraska's huge issues has been. Turnovers. Mm. Of the 31 turnovers Nebraska committed last season, over half came from players who did not return to the team. So Nebraska, we talk about returning production, Interesting. Nebraska's actually losing more than half of their turnovers from last year. And you wonder if that clean slate, we'll call it, for lack of a better term, will help in bringing that number down this year. And I know Nebraska's had turnover issues going back several years. Mm -hmm. So it's not just last year. But with this group... This coaching staff, new players coming in, and players who were responsible for a lot of the turnovers leaving, you wonder if that might make it a little bit easier to navigate through a season and that maybe we could see a drop in turnovers this year. Certainly will help not having Jeff Sims turn it over every other play. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Mr. Turnover. Mr. Turnover. Uh, one more email real fast before we move on. Matthew writes, to be fair, if you accept the Huskers at 7-0, and it is easy to argue they go 3-2 and from there, and that is a dark horse playoff team. Wow, the hype is out of control already, and it's still February. Yes. Jesse says people forget Oregon will have Dylan Gabriel. They will indeed. They will indeed. And a loaded roster. As someone who hates the Big Ten aura of people just bowing down to it because Nebraska's been crappy since they've joined the league, I hope Oregon comes in and wrecks shop. I hope they come in and smoke people. Oh, I'm I mean, so I, sick of the way that people talk about the Big Ten. Oh, trust me. You, you're, you're preaching to the choir. You're preaching to the choir. I'm not saying this because I worship the Big Ten. I anything but worship the Big Ten. But I'm, and it's not just you know Nebraska's experience in the Big Ten, but it's watching what other teams have done when they have changed conferences. It has been a difficult adjustment. And one thing we did here, and our friend Bartu, who was on last week, you know, um, games in the Pac-12, games in the Big Ten are just different. They're different games, and there's a different level of physicality at times that does take some time to get used to. So. You know, it's it's not a shot necessarily at Oregon. Again, I'm using more history as a guide. But sure. I'm with you. I mean, if Oregon came in and 
wreck shop, if Washington came in and wrecked shop and made it look pretty easy, I would get a decent chuckle out of it. I would chuckle as well. A little guffaw? I would get a mm. decent chuckle out of it. The Chuckle Boys. By the way, just got my email today. My free MLB TV is coming back. <gasps> Ooh. Oh, yeah, John, I forgot to tell you, I'm no longer a T-Mobile boy. Oh, I'm also not a T-Mobile boy. Wait a minute. You were a Password sharing from John. You Thank were you, John. A, wait, I thought you... Huh, were... Thanks, John. No, I ain't... No. Mighty why You gave up T-Mobile. Why would you give up T-Mobile when you had free MLB.TV? Because uh, I don't remember why we did. Wow. I'm not on my own phone plan, so it's not my choice. What you your want? phone plan, your choice, Nick. Wow, is it a team? It's not a T-Mobile plan. It is not. Oh. T-Mobile, not great in the great state of Iowa. Mm. It works for me. Mm. I could still well, except for MLB.tv, because every team is blacked out in the state of Iowa. Which is why I never got into baseball. Yeah, that's probably a good point. Sad, but yes. A quick note for those of you who are T-Mobile folks: your free MLB TV. Window opens March 26th and lasts for a week. Wow. So be on the lookout. Baseball. Be on the lookout for your free MLB TV, which we're That'll enjoying That'll be nice right for the now. studio. Yeah, we can watch some baseball in the studio. Yes, we'll always be able to watch baseball in the studio. All right. Lee writes, I feel the same hate for the SEC hype talk. I always remind people Missouri made the SEC championship shortly after they joined the SEC. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they went two years in a row. Good call, Lee. All right, coming up, we didn't get to this yesterday, but uh, we need to flush Pete King's nuggets. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Let's flush them. On 1620 The Zone. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.